This is Women of Grace Live, discussing issues important to your life and faith. Spiritual insight, practical wisdom. Join us as we transform the world one woman at a time. Women of Grace, for such a time as this. Now, here's your host, Johnette Williams. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams. Very happy to be with you today. I certainly am. We love spending this time with you Monday through Friday discussing issues of importance to your life and your faith. We're always eager to hear from you. And today, of course, is Wednesday. That means it's Wacky Wednesday. And Sue Brinkman is going to be with us after our first break. We'll be talking about all kinds of things that we find strange, really false spirituality that seek to lead us very far away from the revealed truth of sacred scripture and the teachings of the church. Uh, Our phone lines light up on Wednesdays. We want to make sure you get in with your question or comment, insight, inspiration, or word of encouragement. So let me give you that toll-free number right away so you can get right on it. It's 833-288-EWTN. That's toll-free for you right here in North America. 833-288-3986. Matthew Gabensky is out there on those phones. He's waiting for you. So are we. Sue is uh, uh, kind of like in the in the waiting box there, and she is ready to charge as soon as we get to her after that first break, and we want to get to your questions. So please do give us a call, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. In addition to that, we are available for you out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. We invite you to use that chat feature. Uh, when you use that chat feature, we're going to connect with you. We're going to get your question or comment up on the board, and we will be only too delighted, only too delighted to respond to it. Uh, Michael McCall, I do believe, is the man who's pulling that down for us and getting it up there. And we have Rich Jesse producing today. So that is our merry trio on campus there. I'm here in Birmingham, too, but just not on campus. Sue Brinkman is up there right outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ooh, it's cold up there. It's cold up there. Uh, All of that being said, wherever you are, we want to connect with you. So please do give us a call at 833-288-EWTN or visit us at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and or Facebook page. Oh my goodness sakes. Well, you know, I like to let you know what's happening at Women of Grace at the beginning of the program. Uh, And I certainly do want to invite you, if you are anywhere near the State College area, that's State College, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, I invite you to join us for our beautiful, beautiful opportunity coming up there at Our Lady, a Victory Catholic. Church in State College. Uh, it begins uh, on Friday evening. You know, that's not far away. That's not tomorrow, but the next day, as I used to tell the kids. You know, not tomorrow, but the next day. Uh, it's tomorrow? Uh, no, it's the next day. Yes. And we will be there at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church for a parish-wide evening uh, that begins with the Stations of the Cross at 6.30. I'll be presenting at 7 p.m. Uh, Thriving as Catholics in a Post-Truth World is what the theme is. It'll be followed by Confession and adoration. What a marvelous way to spend a Friday evening, especially uh, you know this first Friday in Lent. You know it, it gets us off on, on a good footing, a good footing that uh, will help for us to live the reality of Lent and the beautiful spiritual opportunity that is ours by way of it. Uh, I think in a 
more intentional way. So I certainly do invite you to join us uh, Friday evening there. Uh, Saturday at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church there in State College, Pennsylvania, is a Catholic Women's Conference. Uh, Mass is at 9 a.m. The day begins with registration at 9.45. My first talk, Who is Woman? Our special call and mission in a challenging world. Yeah, we're living in a very challenging world. Uh, Today is, is, uh, you know, on Wednesdays, we talk about one aspect of it that's so challenging, trying to adhere to the truth when so many falsehoods are being proclaimed all around us. But that is one of many uh, challenges that faces today as a contemporary man or a contemporary woman. Uh, We're going to be talking about who is woman and what our special call and mission is in this challenging world. And then in the afternoon, we're going to unpack how it is that we accomplish that mission. And I'll be giving some steps to success there. So I'm hoping uh, that you will uh, join us, women. Uh, You know, I would love to have you count yourself among our number there at Our Lady of Victory Catholic Church there on Saturday, this Saturday, February the 17th, right there in State College, Pennsylvania. We've got a good number of ladies coming already. I think we can add to that number, and I'd love to add with your name on the roster. So please do consider joining us there. Uh, Always consider joining us here live. Already the phone lines are lighting up. I tell you, they do light up fast on Wednesdays, 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. So all of that being uh, said, we're looking forward to hearing from you today. And as I said, it is Michael McCall out there uh, grabbing our social media quests, uh, requests. In addition to that, it is Matthew Gubensky on the phone and it is Rich Jesse, man in the controls, and Sue's going to be with us in just a moment. I also want to let you know about our Benedicta Institute for Women. This is a really marvelous thing, honestly. We're so excited about it. As a matter of fact, I was just communicating with uh, Dr. Wallenfang this morning, and uh, he is our academic advisor. Uh, Many of you are interested in this certification in Catholic women's leadership that we will be offering through the Benedicta Institute for Women. Uh, Dr. Wallenfang being a, a doctor in in both philosophy and theology, teaching at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, Michigan, also an expert on Edith Stein and uh, the the uh, foundation of the Benedicta Institute for Women, named for St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, in case you were wondering, how did they come up with that? Well, it's because of Edith Stein, who entered uh, religious life, became a Carmelite sister, uh, and took the name uh, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Her philosophy of woman uh, and her desire to educate women in in accordance with their feminine genius, really a very, very unique concept. Uh, One, I think, that comes out of her own philosophical background as a phenomenologist, uh, which was a new branch of philosophy at that time. You might recall that John Paul II was also a phenomenologist and knew uh, of Edith Stein. Uh, She is, you can hear her voice in a lot of uh, what he wrote uh, for women, specifically Moliere's Dignitatem, Letters to Women, uh, even in Familiaris Consortio and some of the other, um, you know, writings of his, you hear uh, you hear that echo of uh, Edith Stein, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Well, our Benedicta Institute for Women wants to take uh, all that uh, uh, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross gave to us and really put legs to it. Uh, I think it was a prophetic vision 
uh, and and one that is uh, very necessary for this moment in history. So uh, we will be exploring the question, who is woman, the journey from Eve to Mary, uh, with Dr. Wallenfang in this spring uh, immersive that's taking place at Our Lady of Florida uh, Spiritual Center there on the East Coast of Florida. We're going to be there April 22nd through the 28th. And I'd love for you to find out more about it. I really would. Uh, You can do that at our website, womenofgrace.com. You'll see it up there in the purple navigational bar. You can click on that. Uh, It'll take you out to uh, the Benedicta Institute's uh, uh, website inclusion on our website. Uh, You know, Benedicta Institute is underneath Women of Grace. It's it's part of our outreach. Uh, You'll be able to read all about it there. Uh, But in addition, you'll be able to register. And if you have questions, you can call us. We we have people there to uh, speak with you about it and to uh, try to uh, resolve any um, concerns that you might have uh, as you consider whether or not this is something that the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. Uh, So anyway, all that being said, uh, that is in April. So I want you to be thinking about that. All kinds of good things happening right here at Women of Grace, where we are all about the business of transforming the world one woman at a time. Our radio program, our television program on EWTN television that you can see at 1 p.m. Eastern time, all of that uh, becomes, uh, you know, a a beautiful opportunity uh, for us to reach numbers of people with the truth of who they are in Christ Jesus, male and female, who they are in Christ Jesus, and who we're being called to be at this moment in the history of man. You hear that music, friends. That lets you know that it's Wednesday and that it's a wacky Wednesday at that. We're here with Sue Brinkman today to answer your questions about all of the strange things that you see happening around you. 833-288-EWTN is the way that you can join us. That's 833-288-3986. We invite you to give us a call here with any question that you might have. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, I know you can see Sue if you're out there in social media land. I know you can see me too. Sue has her ashes already. Mine are coming. <laughs> They're not there yet, but they will be. Uh, Jisoo, it's good to see you today on this blessed Ash Wednesday, blessed beginning of the Lenten season to you and to all of you, our listeners today. How are you today, Sue? Hey, Sue. Oh, I'm just wonderful. You know, the Lenten season is a season for the Carmelites. So we, we love this kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Repentance and sacrifice and that, this is just, you know, right up our alley. Um, it's just it's a beautiful thing to be able to do for the Lord that we love so much is to take some time. Uh, once a year is all they ask us to do is just take some time to, you know, repent of the things and the failings that we that we've uh, encountered ourselves over over time. And you know what Jesus always does with that stuff. He always ends up healing us. He makes it all better after that. So why not? So I think during the season of Lent, particularly, of course, Advent is another penitential season, but it doesn't have. Um, it's not the same as Lent, uh, and and uh, Lent, of course, is much longer. Uh, so, I don't know. I just I look forward to Lent. I just think it's a beautiful time. Uh, it's a time of healing for me. It it just mm-hmm. is. Of the certain things that I just can't seem to overcome. It's like, okay, good, Lent's coming. You know, maybe I'm gonna be able to beat it now. <laughs> I'm gonna get with the Lord, and hopefully, I'll get some special graces, and I'll be able to, if I cooperate with those graces, which is the other, a whole other story. But uh, I try. <laughs> I try to cooperate. Uh, so that uh, I can be healed of the things that that hurt him, because I don't ever want to hurt him. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing I don't want to do is hurt the Lord. You know, yes, and isn't that what perfect contrition is all about, right? This this desire not to to offend God, and when we do to offend God, to have deep remorse, 
not because we might burn in hell, but because we've offended the one that we love so much. And uh, that is a beautiful, beautiful sentiment of heart. And it occurs to me, too, that, you know, as, as we strive to move forward in our spiritual life, oh, dear, sorry about that. When we strive to move forward in our spiritual life, you know, really, and Teresa Vavula talks about this, you know, what is the first thing? I mean, what, what, is, what is the proof that you are growing in the Lord is virtuous living. And so the practice of the virtues is very important. And I know that one of the things that our regional coordinators are doing through Women of Grace uh, for this Lenten season is they're looking at the various virtues uh, and and really asking the Holy Spirit, which virtue do I need to grow in? And they're going to strive to practice that. So, you know, that's a positive application. We think about Lent in terms of the negative. What am I going to give up? Uh, but there is that positive application. What can I do to grow more in union with Christ? And of course, practicing a virtue that maybe you have not yet acquired or, you know, or rather weaken if you have acquired any of it uh, is a good thing to do. That's a wonderful, a, a great thing to do for Lent is to look at that positive, that virtue, and to and to ask the Holy Spirit, show me what virtue I I'm lacking in. What virtue is is uh, am I lacking in that is standing in my way, mm-hmm. uh, standing in the way between you and me? Which one is it? You know, every year at Christmas we get an Advent letter in our, letter in our community in Carmel, and we're all assigned a virtue for the year. And I, I have been on the team that actually selects those virtues for people, and we do we pray over that and ask the Holy Spirit to to pick the virtues. We have like a a little pot, and it's got the slips of paper with all the little virtues on it. And you'd be amazed that sometimes when we when we pull the the virtues out, how many of the same virtues people are getting throughout the whole community. I think, wow, our community needs to work on humility this year. Our community <laughs> needs to work on hope. It's funny how that that happens, but my virtue for this year is hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's such a great one for me. Um, it's, it is my favorite virtue. Uh, it's the one that I struggle the most with. So why would it be my favorite? I don't know. Um, but I, I just, it, it means trust in God. And I just long for that deep trust in him, that that ability to surrender everything to him. Yeah, to yeah. not worry, to not be anxious, to to know that he's with me every step of the way. I mean, I know these things, but I, I just feel like I need to do more to be able to act on those things well, uh, well a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're, well, you're, every, day, every day you are immersed in a lot of negative things, you know. Uh, you are immersed in doing all of the research on the new age and you look at what the circumstances and situations are in the world today, uh, you know, and that really can pull us down and we can become very cynical very quickly. And the virtue of hope is something that balances that. So I can see why you're attracted to that virtue and why God will want you to have it. Um, and he will give it to you. There, there's a beautiful thing. I think it's Psalm 77. Uh, there's this beautiful, beautiful uh, verse in Psalm 77. Uh, and I'm going to pull it up. And it's the Dewey Reams. Here it is. Oh, my goodness. I, how wonderful is this? that I was able to pull it right up. And uh, this is what it says. It, uh, I'm going to read it. Uh, he says, um, and in and, and this, uh, this, this beautiful psalm really is, is helping us to understand how it is that God is with us. And in verse 29 and 30, it says this, So they did eat and were filled exceedingly, and he gave them their desire. They were not defrauded of that which they craved. They were not defrauded of that which they craved. And so, you know, when we are sincerely seeking the things of the Lord, we will not be defrauded from that which we crave. So I would take that, Sue, and say, hey, listen, this is great. I, yeah, yeah I'm, I am going to grow in hope. 
You will not be defrauded of that which you're craving, Sue. <laughs> this morning, I was looking for something today that, you know, show me something or some some scripture that I could come across and I could meditate on today. Um, and that's going to be my, they were not defrauded in what they craved. That's what I'm going to meditate on today. Yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for that. It's that's beautiful. At Mass, at Mass this past, this past Sunday, Sunday. Um, at the Extraordinary Form, uh, that was uh, one of the uh, uh, little scripture passages that was used for, I think it was, the, I, it, I think it was in the, it was either in the post-communion or in the communion uh, prayer. And boy, I mean, that just, that just, oh, it just was one of those moments when the word of God sears through you. And I knew the Lord was speaking. So I'm glad he's speaking to you through it too. And I hope that he's speaking to all of you out there uh, as a result of that word too. 833-288-EWTN is the way we can speak with you here. 833-288-3986. We've got phone lines lit up, Sue. I, you know, Generally speaking, you've got a topic for us today. Why don't we spend a moment or two on the topic and then get out there to all of these wonderful people that have been holding for quite a while already. Okay, sure, we'll do. Um, well, speaking of morbid things that I have to deal with, <laughs> here's one of them. <laughs> you know, why is mental illness considered a hazard of occult practices? What's the connection? And the question that I got was from somebody that says, isn't it true that most mental illnesses are caused by Satan or as a result of occult activities? And actually, that's not true. Um, authorities really don't believe that most mental illnesses are caused by Satan. But research very strongly suggests that dabbling in the occult can lead to mental illness. So it, he doesn't necessarily cause it, uh, but he can exploit it. And, and when you uh, do start to get involved in the occult, uh, it's very strongly linked with, um, with mental illness. Uh, Dr. Zlatko Zram, he's from the Croatian Center for Applied Social Research, he just published an article recently in Open Theology, and he argues that people who practice black magic or have otherwise occult bondage in their history are particularly susceptible to comorbidity of depression and psychopathy. Wow. And he surveyed over like a thousand participants. So it was a decent-sized cohort, um, and he found strong evidence that people suffering from, from depression uh, and psychopathy were, were simultaneously attracted to satanic practices as a means of obtaining magical power and control over their destiny. And this was regardless of their sex or their ethnic origin. So it was across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was, he was finding that. It's, and, and others have done it too, um, have found that. Uh, Professor uh, Hood from University of Tennessee in Chattanooga uh, well, he's, he called the, uh, the SRAM study to be extremely important because it takes ontological claims seriously and supports the real possibility that de- de- demonic forms of bondage can be linked to psychopathology as evil forces can interfere in human behavior. So there's been actually a lot of studies. I was amazed when I went to research this question of how much study has actually gone on out there um, that says – you can't, this is what can lead you to mental illness. Yeah. Uh, It's encouraging because for so long, you know, psychology poo-pooed anything having to do with the preternatural, you know, Uh, it just wasn't even something that they considered. So everything was psychologized away, Uh, you know, and I can remember how that uh, infected really uh, our, 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 our theological 
thinking uh, in seminaries, especially, you know, in the 70s and, and on up into the 80s. And I think a lot of that got, got reversed, I hope so. But even the way in which scripture was being interpreted about Jesus, you know, um, freeing individuals from demonic possession in sacred scripture was all poo-pooed. You know, there were psychological answers that were offered for that. Well, that really wasn't what was going on. This is what really was going on. Uh, so to see that the the study now uh, in these fields and in these areas is coming back to a recognition that there is something preternatural. And, and I'm using that word intentionally because you do. Uh, you know, supernatural refers to God and the angels, right? It, not to the demonic. The demonic is preternatural, fallen angels. So that being said, uh, I think that's great because all, for all too long, uh, there was no progress that was being made with regard to freeing people and helping people who were trapped in that mess that the evil one causes. Uh, so yeah, and of course, exorcists could have told them that. I mean, you know. <laughs> he did say that, that most of the people who come to him um, only a very uh, a small percentage of them uh, actually needed exorcism, but most of them did have mental illness. They already had that, in other words. Yes, yes right. right. Satan didn't actually cause it. But your point about they need to study this because they have to be able to help some of these people. And mm -hmm. another psychologist, he's, he he's calls himself a psychologist of religion at Chicago's Theological Seminary. His name is Roger L. Moore. And he said that he found, he observed in his in his work, haunting parallels between the paranoid schizophrenic and the deeply involved occultist. And he said he warned that participation in the occult is dangerous for persons who are the most interested in it because they are the least able to turn it on and off. Mm -hmm. He said a lot of them have become paranoid psychotics. So um, this way we can at least warn people, to pull away from it before you get too sucked into it and too invested in it. Um, because it, you will reach a point where it's going to be too difficult for you to turn it off. You're not going to be able to get away from it anymore, and it's going to drive you insane, literally. Mm -hmm. It will begin to drive you over the edge. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I like the word uh, that you use there to explain what it is that Satan does. He doesn't cause it, but he exploits it. So if somebody uh, is uh, suffering with depression or somebody perhaps has bipolar tendencies or uh, someone uh, perhaps does suffer from schizophrenia uh, or, you know, any of the uh, disorders that we know are there and begins to become involved with the occult, he will surely take advantage of that opportunity because that's who he is. He's an opportunistic kind of, uh, you know, being. And he makes use of every opportunity for the negative and not for the positive. So, wow, that, that's really interesting and, and really, really very helpful. And we've got a little time before we go to our first break, Sue. So I'd like to get out there. Kieran has been holding uh, from Central Illinois since the beginning. And Kieran is a first-time caller, so I'm ringing my bell. Good morning to you, Kieran. Good morning. How are you? Very well. And yourself? Uh, just fine. Beautiful, sunny Akron day. Oh, beautiful. Happy to hear that. So what is your question today? Um, I am inquiring about, I don't know what to call it, um, an experience that I had while um, putting my daughter to bed. I was laying with her. She's four years old, um, and I was holding her hand and saying the St. Michael prayer to myself um, as she 
she was falling asleep and I was dozing off as well. And as I sat there with my eyes fading, I saw um, what looked like the, a white robe, the sleeve of a white robe, flashing a saber through something. It was it was white. It was bright. It was beautiful. It, I felt safe, but I, I felt like I was truly watching this thing. Um, and as I dozed off, my prayer did as well. And all of a sudden, it turned dark. Hmm. Um, I the, the, the colors turned almost like photo negative. Um, to this creepy, creaky image of a, a girl or a doll. Um, looks like on a tree swing. Uh, she had a pointy bonnet and stockings to her knees. It, it was it was creepy. It was really creepy. Um, and I I I felt stuck looking at this image and just remember thinking like, oh, go back, go back to the angels. What's happening? Like Saint Michael, come back. Um, and I couldn't shake it until my daughter's cries broke me awake. And um, she said, Mom, I didn't, I loved, I liked that first one. I did not like that second one. And all I could say was, me too. Me too. So we said the St. Michael prayer together and both fell asleep just fine. Um, I, I don't know what to make of this. I can't get over it. And she brought it up yesterday. This was a your, few months Your daughter ago. brought it up yesterday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sue. Wow. That's, um, that's a new one for me. I've never heard of a story where you both really had the same dream. But now it's telling me it's not a dream. It wasn't a dream. It was some well, no, sort of and, a, a and, vision of... And visions are not my gift that I know of. I, I really think um, this is hers. I think I was gifted some insight um, in that moment. I, I'm very intuitive. I know I have my own gifts, but visions are not one. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now, um, I see I missed the very first part of it for because there was some audio difficulty, so I missed that first part of what you were saying. But I think I got the gist of it all, that, that um, it sounded to me as if you were saying you were asleep. Um, and, and this you, you were seeing this in your, in your, in your sleep. Uh, the fact that, that it ended up being creepy is where I get the red flag. Mm-hmm. Because um, the Lord's anything from Him is not going to get that way. It's not going to get creepy. Um, it's going to like you're, the, the the first part of it. Uh, it's very possible that that Satan was doing that and he was responsible for that, even though it looks so wonderful and so good. Because remember, he does masquerade as an angel of light. And uh, so we're going to have to. We're going to have to hold it there for a moment because we're going to, I I know you're having audio difficulties. We're going to a hard break. We'll pick up right without, hold on there, Kieran. We're coming right back to you and Sue, right back to you on the other side of the break. 833-288-EWTN. Join in on the conversation. The Women of Grace phone lines are open. 
1-833-288-EWTN, 1-833-288-3986. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Women of Grace Live. I am Johnette Williams, and I'm very happy to hear from you today. We're eager to hear from you, so do give us a call, 833-288-EWTN. It's a toll-free number for you right here in North America. That's 833-288-3986. Available for you, too, out there at EWTN Radio's YouTube channel and Facebook page. I'm scrolling into my studio chat area here. We don't have any questions from you out there. I hope you're awake. (laughs) Do, do uh, submit us a question via the chat feature at either EWTN Radio's YouTube channel or EWTN Radio's uh, Facebook page. We will be sure to get it up on the board, and we'll address it. Michael McCall is the retriever today. Matthew Gabinski is the call screener today. And Rich uh, Jesse is the produce, producer today. All ERs, uh, all of that going on uh, right here as we join you via EWTN Radio, brought to you by so many good affiliates. So Kieran is on the phone, first time caller from Central Illinois, listening to us via Catholic Spirit Radio. Welcome to all of you listeners from Catholic Spirit Radio. Uh, and she's talking about an incident, uh, an experience that both she and her little girl uh, had one evening when the little girl was going to bed. Uh, And uh, Sue was in the middle of responding to her when we had to go to our break at the bottom of the hour. So I'm going to bring Karen back up and Sue back up and uh, let's continue the conversation. So Sue, uh, you were were talking with her about the fact that uh, since this was creepy, it wouldn't be something that would be coming from the Lord because the Lord doesn't do creepy things. No, he doesn't, and he, and he wouldn't put that in there. And it is possible for Satan to, as I said, masquerade as an angel of light and to make things feel lovely and look lovely at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's never going to then digress into something creepy. That that would never happen. That, in in my opinion, was him revealing himself right there. Uh, but right. you did make a comment about being intuitive. And if you could just explain that to me, what, what exactly do you mean by an intuitive, that, that this wasn't one of your gifts? What gifts do you have um, as intuitive? Uh, just a, a, a deep sense of the spirit. Um, I know everyone has gut feeling and intuition, um, and I spent a lot of my life uh, ignoring mine, um, which I have learned okay. to um, not do. Um, um, oh, I don't even know how to put it. I just... I just get very overwhelming senses of things that are um, either very good, as in this is where I'm supposed to go, or very not good. And maybe that isn't okay. a spiritual gift and just human intuition. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it but could I know be the gift of being led to good. It, it could good. It, it could be the gift of discernment of the Holy Spirit. I think one of the things I think, Karen, that is difficult, and, and I think one of the reasons why um, it's important to ask you the question that Sue asked you is because, um, you know, there there's a an, the word intuitive or in, in, has has basically, which is an adjective, <laughs> has mm-hmm. kind of been co-opted to become a noun. Uh, so people right. will refer to themselves as an intuitive, meaning that they have these psychic powers and abilities, uh, which would not come from the Lord. Uh, discernment, right. you know, like, gee, I, yeah, I don't think that this is a good, good thing for me. That kind of a thing is a gift of the Holy Spirit that we yeah. do receive from the Holy Spirit. 
and it's wise to operate in that gift. But yeah. intuitives are seeking um, esoteric knowledge and wisdom uh, and going about the process of trying to make that happen through any number right. of different techniques and trance-like states and things like that. Yeah, no, that's definitely not um, what I have experienced. It is more, um, like I call it the Holy Spirit tingle. (laughs) (laughs) I I just feel it from my head to my toes. Yeah, like an anointing. uh, Yeah, and it can be. There once was in in my life when I was not looking to walk in a path of light. Um, Okay. Yeah, it is. It, I, I've never thought out yeah. such a thing. Um, well, good. Well, that, that, okay. I think that that clears up. Yeah. I, so I guess basically the question is, well, what do you do about this? Well, here's the thing. Um, this happened. It was an experience. Um, I think paying a lot of attention to it only, uh, you know, flatters the evil one. And well, that's and not what we want to do. Done, what we have done is uh, we started blessing our senses with holy water. Before we go to bed, God protect my eyes, protect my ears, protect my tongue. Um, and I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard a four-year-old girl say the Saint Michael prayer, but <laughs> she has got it down pat, and it's a beautiful thing I hear all day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's yeah, holy water and Saint Michael. That's what I've done since that happened. Good. And I would I would have your house blessed. I think that that would okay. be a really good thing to do. And and your little girl's been baptized, right? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. and yeah, so you know, and then I would just, you know, not really, you know, pay too much attention to it. You know, we I think that okay. sometimes the evil one tempts us in this way so that we do he he can excite uh, a morbid curiosity that causes us to want to mm-hmm. go deeper and then he it he uh it gives him an opportunity then to continue to invest some time in us. And we sure don't want that to happen. Right, Sue? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was going to say, I'm, I'm agreeing with you 100%, John, on what you're saying, your recommendation. And if I could just pull in St. John of the Cross to this, um, that he does make a, a statement about any kind of vision, apparition, which I know this wasn't an apparition or anything like that, but um, anything like this, uh, he claims that you are to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. ignore it. And he says that... Um, if the Lord was trying to reach you and speak to you, he will find another way to do it. You will lose okay, nothing I'm, I'm, by, by, I'm by really ignoring it. For you saying and bringing to my attention that um, Satan does dis- or disguise himself as light, because for a while I thought that, like, um, because I wasn't focused and fervent enough in my prayer, because I had dozed off that, that, that the good part came from my prayer and the bad part came from my lack of prayer mm. as I was falling asleep. No. And that brings me a lot of peace to hear that, like, no, it could have all been him. And that the yes. good part was just a distraction from the prayer. Um, yeah. He will always try to, conf- he, yeah, he, he is a confuser. He will always try to uh, make us believe that it's our fault uh, mm-hmm. so no, that's, that's, that has Satan's hoof prints all over it. Yes. And he's very, very good at that, Karen. He will convince you that it's all your fault. He's very good at that. He's turned to Jesus. 
turn to Jesus and tell Jesus to take authority over these thoughts, Lord. Take, I want I want to make him captive to you, Lord. Take authority over him. That's what I do when I get thoughts like that. And he does. He comes right to my help. He, he helps me right away. That's right. Since, um, then it's, I feel like I can, I can feel our guardian angels because I've, I've called on them a lot too ever since that happened and in the same room in the same darkness i I am sure i can see our guardian angels um over us and nothing like that has happened since and but her bringing it up yesterday is you know what led me to call yeah, well, yeah, I'm glad. glad I, I'm did. glad that you did, uh, Karen. And you know, and I would just say the same thing to your daughter. Oh, honey, we're just going to put that out of our mind right now. Let's talk about Jesus, or let's talk about one of the saints, or something like that, and just you know, deflect the conversation in a positive way uh, would be the best thing to do. Um, but I'm glad that you called in and and asked the question that you asked. And I'm glad it brought you peace. And that's why we do Wacky Wednesday, Sue, because these things do happen, and the evil one will try to tie us up in knots over it. And uh, mm-hmm. we don't want that to happen. All right, let's move forward. We're going to go to Romel. Uh, Romel is in Orlando, Florida, listening to us via YouTube. And Romel is also a first-time caller. Ringing my first-time caller bell for you, Romel. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ring this one, too. There it goes. Okay, how are you? Uh, good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, uh, my question would be about uh, uh, speaking of tongues. The way I understand it in the Bible is that when the Holy Spirit gave the apostles those charisma of speaking of tongues, they were given, um, I guess, they can communicate to other languages now. Like if where they are going to preach, if they... If they they speak German, I guess, when they when they preach it, you know, um, Germans will 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 understand it. Um, that's that's the way I understand it. But uh, I've also heard about speaking in tongues where like this charismatic group, they're Catholic, but they do speaking in tongues in like the mumbling way, and 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 they will. Um, claim that, you know, it's from the Holy Spirit. So is there, like, a, a biblical basis on that? Like, the you know, speaking in tongues and mumbling, in mumbling, or um, I, you know, I'm confused. Okay. All right. Well, a, a couple of things here, and then, Sue, uh, I'll let you respond, too. But uh, first, Ramel, you know, the, the phenomena, Anon, that happened there uh, that we read about in Acts, you know, when the Holy Spirit came down in power on the apostles and our Blessed Mother. And I, I always love the fact that St. Luke is very quick to point out that Our Lady was with them. Uh, when the Holy Spirit came down uh, upon them, uh, they were given these, these, uh, these, these, these charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, charismatic charismatic, the word comes from uh, the um, word charism. So charismatic is really a uh, an adjective, uh, but charism is a grace. Uh, 
So they were given these special graces of God. They were being equipped for the mission that God was calling them to. Uh, And that first mission was the mission of evangelization, which was immediately exemplified by Peter walking out uh, and, and proclaiming to the masses. What that actually was, I don't think that we have, you know, a real clear theology on that. Um, It might well be that he was speaking in his own native language, but everybody understood him in their own. Or it may well have been that there was a a language that he was speaking and the Holy Spirit um, was enabling others to enter into that moment with him. We don't really quite know what it was. Uh, But what we do know is that speaking in tongues um, was part of this distribution of, of graces on Our Lady and the Apostles in that moment. And we have evidence of that. If you go to Corinthians, you're going to read there, I think it's in Corinthians 12, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 12, you're going to read there about the, the charismatic gifts. Uh, again, these these special graces um, that, that came to them in a gifted form. They were empowered by them. And Paul talks about, uh, is, though they should speak in the tongue of angels, he says, right? Um, you know, uh, and have not love. You know, they are noisy gongs, uh, clanging, um, crashing cymbals, sounding. So basically, he's and he and he goes on and says, it's the least of the gifts. He says, I would that everybody would pray in tongues. So we have an indication there that sometimes these are not necessarily known languages. And in, in, in you know, in, in, he's talking about the tongues of angels. Uh, so that would not be a known language to man. So there, there is such a thing as as these charisms. There is such a thing as uh, praying in tongues, speaking in tongues. There is such a, a gift as interpretation of tongues, which is also something that went on in that moment. So you know, maybe, uh, and and I have heard of individuals who are praying in tongues and someone there recognizes the language and translates what they're saying. I remember one specific person who was praying and uh, someone turned around and said, you speak French so beautifully. And this person said, well, I don't speak French. So the Holy Spirit was really working and operating through this woman in in a known language. But it's not always a known language, and yet the Holy Spirit will come and give an interpretation for that. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that helps you, uh, but it is a gift that is acknowledged in Scripture and is acknowledged by the Catholic Church, um, and it is uh, applauded uh, when it is used rightly, uh, when it's used for praise and worship of the Lord. Uh, And oftentimes we don't know exactly how it is that we should pray. There's another passage in Scripture where uh, I think it's St. Paul talks about, you know, uh, in groanings and utterings. They pray to the Lord in groanings and utterings. Uh, And so that is an indication, I think, of this strong movement of the Holy Spirit through them. So, Sue, I'll I'll let you talk with um, Ramel about that a little bit. Oh, I just think that uh, I can confirm everything that you've had to say about it. I, I do believe that there are gifts, special gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift of speaking in tongues, the gifts of, of, of teaching, the gifts of prophecy, the gift of healing. The, you know, the Holy Spirit is very much alive and well in all of us in this day and age. He's there and he does manifest. Um, and as far as praying in, in tongues, we do read in Scripture that the Holy Spirit, it, he, he prays, prays for us. And in a way, that's what I think praying in tongues may be just a way to let the Holy Spirit pray mm-hmm. um, through us. And, right? For, for, yeah. Through us. Mm-hmm. And um, because of our groanings and mumblings and that sort of thing, you know, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but he will pray uh, through us. 
And I do believe that that's, um, that's a very important, important gift. But yeah, I agree with everything you said, Johnette. Um, these gifts are alive and well in the world and they are and they are real are they abused in some places of course they are but but you know, for the most part these are these are beautiful gifts of the holy spirit yeah yeah so and i i would encourage you Ramel, again go out there and get a copy of the um catechism of the catholic church there is a whole section in there on charisms uh they're to be tested as a gift of grace place of encounter with the holy spirit is means by which the church is built up meaning and purpose and then it, it goes on to special charisms healing uh you know infallibility of the pastors of the church infallibility of the pope so there's a whole section in there i think that will help to settle any kind of um you know concern that you might have about it or answer some questions that you might have as well but thanks for your call today i love to talk about the charismatic gifts of the holy spirit <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. God bless you now. We're going to go to Marlene. We've got a lot of first-timers today, Sue. It's so exciting. Uh, uh, Marlene is with us from Massachusetts, listening to us via Station of the Cross, our first-time caller, ringing my bell there. Hey, Marlene, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you for calling. What is your question, dear? I was listening to the connection between mental health and um, the occult and being attacked um, by Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a little bit concerned because I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And mm-hmm. sometimes I've questioned that myself. Um, I've had two occasions where I was dreaming. And in my dream, I visualized Satan throwing me towards a window. And I've actually woken up before going through the window. And as a young child, I actually experienced when I was sick, something grabbing me by the throat. And I've had occurrences like this throughout my life. Um, to the, the point that it's made me so concerned that I've actually wanted to sit down with an exodus priest mm-hmm. and see if there was something more that I may not have bipolar disorder, but I want to make sure that it's not just me thinking this because I listen to EW10 all the time. Okay. Um, I, I'm seeing in the note that um, Matthew put up for me that uh, you, in your 20s, you were involved in fortune telling. I went to two times with my family. They went to Maine, but I confessed that right mm-hmm. away and um i go to confession on a regular basis and i'm constantly trying to get closer to the lord um other than that i've never dabbled in anything i don't even watch movies or anything that disrespects the lord nothing that's horror i really try to avoid everything that i possibly can yeah. that would open the door that's wonderful. Sue, how do you respond to Marlene? Yeah. Now, now if were you diagnosed, uh, Marlene, with bipolar? Do you have an official diagnosis of that? Okay. I so, do. I've been in the hospital a number of times um, and things that go along with that that I just don't want to say on the air. <laughs> that's fine. Right. Sure. Sure. Of course. And And are you on any kind of medication for that? I am. Okay, so you're on a medication for it. Um, you know, Satan is definitely going to exploit that condition. He will exploit it. Mm-hmm. 
to see the cause of it, the underlying cause of it, uh, you would have to sit down, as you said, with an exorcist before you could find that mm-hmm. out, if he's the cause of that. As far as having been grabbed by the throat and having phenomena uh, like that happen, I myself have been... Oh, Sue? On my back. Are you there? That was so heavy, I couldn't even move. And I know other people who have had that happen to them, too. Um, I was very, and, uh, very young at that time. I was I was seven years old at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the evil one's not a respecter of age, that's for sure. I'm sorry, you, I didn't catch that. Yeah, I think one of the things that's happening is that we're losing your audio there, Sue. Um, but uh, what Sue was saying is that she she had an experience like that in in uh, in her own life that you experienced when you were a child. And what I was saying to you, Marlene, is that the evil one is not a respecter of age. You know, I mean, he can torment children just as easily as he can torment adults. Um, so uh, I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if we can see if Sue is there again. Sue, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Okay, go ahead. So go ahead. So finish your comment. We have two minutes left. Okay, so I was just saying that I think that that Satan could be exploiting it, uh, whatever whatever uh, condition she does have. The bipolar, he's he's capitalizing on that. He's using it against you. And as far as those occurrences in the middle of the night, when I did have something lay on my back, I couldn't move, and it was filling my head with thoughts of killing myself. They wanted me to go kill myself to get in the car and drive off the edge of this into a quarry that's nearby my house. Um, it was a very, very terrifying experience, and I've had terrifying dreams about him, but I figured he was attacking me because I was returning to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I, you know, he was mad at me for that. That's what I thought was going on at that time. But, you know, as, as John S. said, Satan's not a respecter of age. He doesn't really care what's going on in your life. I know other people that had that experience of being woken up in the middle of the night like that, too, and they're not particularly with the Lord, um, but but something like that happened to them, too. Um He's just going to attack you and harass you uh, because he feels like it. That's his reason. Yeah. He doesn't feel like he owes you anything <laughs> other than that, other than to just harass you and try to make you feel uncomfortable with yourself. Uh, well, but if, if you do have that nagging question about, you know, what's causing my bipolar, I would definitely try to sit down with a priest who is familiar with the occult, who works with the occult. If you have a charismatic group. Yeah in your parish or in a parish near you, they almost always have a connection with a priest who is who is well-versed in those, in the occult and, and how to handle that. And see if you could sit down and talk with him about it. See what he I has to a, say. I think it's a great idea, Marlene. I'm glad that you are filling your mind with good things of the Lord. Uh, and it would be a good idea maybe for you to have a spiritual director. I, I, I would see if this priest, the, if you can find that priest, would work with you. Uh, on an ongoing basis uh, because you would be able to run these kinds of of questions past him and he would be able to help you sort through some of this uh, that you're experiencing. It's been great being with all of you. Thank you, Sue. Until we're together again, God bless you now. Bye-bye.